I really don't feel like I've found my voice yet. Mm-hmm. I've found things that work on social media and on stage, and I've found like formulas and I've found things I like to do, but I have not yet synthesized that as like, okay, this is what I'm about. This is what I do. Whereas Todd Berry, every joke he does, even at an open mic, is like, that is a Todd Berry yeah, joke. Yeah, that's Todd Berry on yeah. stage. Yeah, yeah. And that's where you're trying to get to, and it's very hard. Comedy. 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 Ciao. Welcome to the Comedy Hall. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome. Welcome to the Comedy Hall. My name is Ariel Bielski. I'm one of your hosts. And the other host we have right here is Jordan Thomas Gray. At Jordan Thomas Gray on the social medias. Yeah. And uh, today we're, we're doing a double, double Dutch episode. <laughs> A double, a double whammy. Uh, we usually have a guest, but uh, we decided we have some topics that we wanted to chat about. Mm-hmm. Jordan, can I move in? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I was watching. You know, I was watching the um, Herlihy Boy. Did you ever see that on Saturday Night Live? Where it's basically Chris Farley and Adam Sandler. It's so funny. The Herlihy Boy. He's a house sitter, and it's a commercial for him. So, like the Herlihy Boy. You've never seen this? No. I don't want to ruin it, but he's basically like. Let me water your plants. <laughs> oh, please, that, I please let that me water your plants. Adam Sandler character. Yeah. Anyway, this episode is sponsored by PP Pillow. PP Pillow, get soft. Is it actually? Could be. I have a, <laughs> right. I have a sponsorship link. We'll, we'll, we'll okay. throw it in the description. Good. Uh, all right. Today we want to talk about confidence. Confidence in stand-up. Uh, how much is enough? How much is too much? How to get confidence? What's the role of confidence? And why are we confident in talking about this topic at we all? We shouldn't be. Absolutely after, not. After New York, I definitely do not feel qualified to talk about stand-up in any capacity. But uh, yeah, we're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> really? Do you feel that way, actually? I, New York was a... I wouldn't call it a reality check. It was just like... A, um, there's so much more competition there. And the scene is so much more brutal and uh, the level of jokes required to have like a great open mic set, for instance, is so much higher that it, uh, it disillusioned me a bit. I see, um, I see. And I think we recorded an episode about getting better at stand up right before I went to New York. And I think I would have had a much different demeanor if we recorded that right after. So I did have a bit of a confidence crisis okay. after New York that I'm still kind of working through. Um, yeah, which is a good time for that because we're recording an episode about confidence. I mean, that's a, yeah. that's maybe a perfect time also to to record something like that because, because uh, I mean, I mean, we have many. That confidence is obviously a great thing to have all over all around for all over your body, all over your body for sports. You know, to be. Confident. <laughs> what? Oh, no. Watching, watching this sentence fall apart. No, you know why? Pretty enjoyable. Because I kind of zoned out. Because I, <laughs> for, I sports. for sports, you can be confident too. No, you gotta you know, have it all over. You know, because the when you first mentioned confidence before, I thought of uh, in relation to sports, and I just started mm. saying the word sports. <laughs> <laughs> but my actual thought about it, it was a legit thought where it was uh, the more, the better you are at, at the sport, which you learn slowly but surely, the more confident you are that you can beat somebody or that you can compete at all. Uh-huh. And so like, but at the beginning, you can just have blind confidence and then realize, oh, fuck, I can't. And either you quit the sport because you're like, oh, I can't do this or 
you enjoy it so much that you keep going and you get better at it. And then slowly but surely you gain confidence in your skill level. So it's very similar to stand up in that way where at the beginning you could go up with confidence and do well or do poorly. And it all depends on how and if you actually want to do it, if you want to get better and understand that you have to get better or that, that you have to train in order to get better. I played sports in high school and my sheer lack of confidence torpedoed me a lot. Like I played rugby and um, there's a scene in Moneyball where uh, he's talking to, the coach is talking to Chris Pratt's character and he's like, what is your biggest fear? And Chris Pratt is like, uh, a baseball coming anywhere in my direction. <laughs> and then there were laughs and then he was like, no, I'm, I'm serious. That's <laughs> actually, and that's how I was with rugby. It's like, I was so sure I could not catch a rugby ball that I just, the whole time was like, just don't, just no one throw me the ball. No one, like, no one throw me the ball. Like I would maybe <laughs> pretend to be open, but like try to put myself in a way that I wouldn't be in a position to have to catch. I could right. tackle. I was comfortable with that. Uh, okay. But possession of the ball, no confidence. And I didn't know that that was torpedoing me. And also ran cross country. What do you mean torpedoing? Meaning that I was self-sabotaging. Oh, okay. Totally. And like envisioning not catching the ball is going to make you not catch the fucking ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. And I ran cross country as well. And I just went into every race just assuming I would do badly. Yeah. So why try? Good. Right, right. Yeah. Sure. Uh, but that's, you know, that's yeah. 15-year-old me. Uh, yeah. I get it. And I mean, I had a similar thing. Actually, not too much the same, but I... In general, I'm not an athletic guy. Like, uh, I can lift and carry things, but I'm slow as fuck. Like, I was always the slowest on the team. And so I really loved volleyball, and so I got better and better at that. But basketball, I didn't really give a shit about that mm -hmm. much. I loved watching it, but I hated playing with the guys who were just ball hogs. And in volleyball, you can't be a ball hog, of course. <laughs> you literally you can't just catch the ball and be like, yes, I got it. You need to work with your team. Whereas in basketball, even the guys who sucked could be ball hogs. And you're like, why the fuck? Or, yeah. or people would like push you around. And I'm a big guy, so I would be pissed off. Like, hey, don't fucking grab my shirt. And then I'd get blown the whistle. And I'm like, why didn't you blow the whistle on this guy instead of me? You know, I, I hated the rules. I, I wanted to punch in basketball. There should be basketball punching. Allowed. Maybe this should be an <laughs> anger sports. management episode. Oh, uh, <laughs> anger no. management and sports <laughs> yeah. with the comedy hole. But yeah, so, but anyways, uh, so I I also was not good at sports. That's <laughs> what I'm saying, I guess. It's very solid to say that I was not good at sports. Um, uh, but yes, but in comedy, uh, confidence in comedy. We have several topics that you wrote down. Uh -huh, here we have confidence. The, the, the thing that it pops in my head the most is the confident person who's doing it for the first time mm. who is overconfident and with terrible jokes mm. and i think we talked about this before but i think that's my least favorite comedian to watch where they're so confident that they're great and they aren't great it's just uncomfortable and it's uncomfortable <laughs> yeah. like because the opposite of that of someone who's completely not confident and you see it on stage you kind of root for them you're like it's okay man you could do it Mm -hmm. So you kind of get the audience on your side to a certain extent. And if you don't have good jokes either, then eh, you're also bombing. Yeah. With open mics, a thing that we see all the time is uh, if a first set goes very well, usually you're going to bomb in your second set because you walk into the second set being overconfident 
and you don't know how to deal with people not laughing at you and you just kind of fall apart. I've, yeah. se- I've seen that a bunch. And that happened to me too. My first set happened to go really well. It was a good room. I had worked on the material. And then my second set, I assumed people would just laugh <laughs> at whatever. And uh, I both put less effort into writing and uh, wrote jokes that I was less sure about or would have been less sure about. Uh, and then I didn't know how to deal with it not going well. And mm. so my confidence going into it uh, torpedoed me, as we would say. Right, right, uh, right. Self-sabotaged me, and I see that happen a lot. And some people, after their second set not going well, just don't come back. Uh, yeah, some, yeah, sure, yes. But yeah. everyone has bad sets. Everybody, po- everybody poops, everybody bombs. Uh, but why was, why was it confidence uh, a topic you wanted to talk about? I mean, there's lots of things we could talk about, and I'm down for it. So don't take that the wrong probably way. Probably subconscious. I yeah, think I, I raised a few. Um, I think, well, there's confidence on stage, and there's confidence in, if you're going to do stand-up as a career, there's confidence in that. And I think what I'm struggling with is confidence in doing it as a career. I see. Uh, just looking at the brutal financial model of being a, what tier am I in? I don't know. It's all relative. Like am I mid, mid-tier mid European comedian? I don't even know how you would describe what I'm doing. Uh, I would go with the amount of years you've been. Ah, because I have people who are doing it for 15 years and just do like an open mic every, I think it's the number of shows. Mm-hmm. I okay, more mean okay. like at what level are you, there's open mic or showcase doing solo shows and touring mm-hmm. and then like famous. Okay. That's more what I mean by tier. So the third one? The so solo do, shows just doing solo shows, but not like uh, famous in a meaningful way. You know, I have Instagram mm-hmm. followers, but like uh, if you ask somebody in Germany who I am, you know, yeah, you're yeah, not yeah. going to know who I am. Um, uh, and if you're doing it at this level of you make, you know, 100 to 400 euros a show, maybe uh, if that, definitely not in summer. Uh, then it's it's quite a grind uh, to basically survive uh, on that until you reach such level that you are famous and can make significantly more money. It's mm-hmm. almost like you just enter pretty quickly, usually the next bracket. Usually something goes viral or whatever. Uh, you know, look at Matt Reif. I think he was doing like okay, just financially speaking in comedy, and then he just blew up. Mm-hmm. Um and that tends to be what happens. But there are also people who sort of languish for years in the sort of uh, road comic, not making much money uh, kind of lifestyle, which is okay. Uh, but it's it's one of the most draining things you can do in terms of this roller coaster of like, maybe you have a great show, maybe you have a bad show, you know? And then like, uh, mm. that's why a lot of people in stand-up end up... Uh, we know people who've just gone to mental institutions because <laughs> mm-hmm. they, uh, they 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 break down; they can't handle it. Yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, I will say that that's why I'm always focusing on. And I mean, to a certain degree, there's other reasons for it. But I think the the sports analogy, which I, I was saying, <laughs> I think the better you get with it, because it's always improving to a certain degree. Even you can uh, you can have a bomb. And whatever, but uh, the more you do it, the more you realize why you bombed. Like as opposed to like, I don't know why that why they didn't laugh or whatever. You kind of understand what was wrong that day or what you what you said wrong or this word or that word. How you structured the joke, uh, 
you're constantly improving. Like a year ago, you were a worse comedian than now. And mind you, that's not the same with shows. Like two weeks ago, it could have been the best show. Mm. And then yesterday, it was one of the worst. But overall, you are getting better as a comedian. And so the more you're getting better as a comedian, the more that confidence in your career, in my mind, it yeah. will go. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I see this phase as like buying time to improve. Yeah. Uh, until I, because I was considering doing things like uh, Edinburgh Fringe this year and then I went to New York and then I was like I'm not ready for that I need I need more time right. on the road doing mics writing getting better getting experience under my belt before I feel like I can do those things I'm still maybe delusional than that I think next year <laughs> I'll mm. do the Edinburgh Fringe but I think if uh, you know I've got even now two to three solo shows booked a week in the fall and I plan to do even more than that. So if I get another year of just constantly, constantly performing, then I think uh, I'd be ready to sort of present something at a... At a level, level yeah, than you do. Yeah, at a level that's not just, here's a, a solo show you will have a good time at. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah so I, I, the more we do it, the more we'll have that confidence. But I think also right now, you... You're the most uh, gung ho. I mean, first of all, this is what you 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 are just making money off of comedy. Mm-hmm. In and the so, summer, not much. Right, is, is the reality. But yeah. but that is your work. You don't have any other work besides that. I DJ and do music. That's I make money off of that. So I don't have that like urgency. I mm-hmm. need to immediately make money off of comedy. But uh, the thing that you are steering directly towards is failing before everyone else too. Meaning that every single thing that happened, the reason why they'll say, oh, you need 10 years of experience as a comedian before you know what the fuck you're doing is because of all the failures. It's not because you you are awesome at comedy at that point. It's more like you went through, there was five people at the show. You went through people booing you. You went through like a bunch of really shitty things. So you're just basically driving your car much faster towards shit that'll bum you out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but on the other end of that, it's exactly the same thing. Like you said that the first person who is uh, who who goes up on stage for the first time and then kills, the second time they'll bomb. Vice versa is also true for mm-hmm. for also for me. Like one of the best shows I've had was right after one of the worst bombs I've ever had because mm-hmm. I was like, I never want to feel like that again. Yeah, And I can forget that I can, yeah, I can completely forget that lesson that I bombed that badly if I don't remind myself of that bomb. Because I could be like, no, I'm great. That was, ah, oh, I did a great job yeah. yesterday. And then I go up on stage with way too much confidence in who I am. And then, Jews, eh? And then, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And actually, my biggest bomb was I had so much confidence. I was like, let me, fu- let me test out some material and it'll be edgy and tough. And I was not prepared and it was the, the worst bomb I've ever had. Yeah, yeah. And then, then the next time I did a show, which was 20 minutes, I did 20 minutes, I was so nervous beforehand because I was like, I just fucking bombed. It was one of the worst shows I've ever done last week. I don't think I can do this. Why do people think I'm funny? What the fuck? And I had zero confidence, but I went on stage with funny jokes and it worked fine. Yeah. If you can turn it on, then you can turn the 
insecurity and anxiety and tension into a good performance if you are prepared. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes if you're not. Yeah, if you, sometimes you right. can have a set that's like mostly crowd work that's doing well. I think that's more unusual, especially for... not as, In New York, at open mics, no one does crowd work because it's all comedians. Right, right. Uh, and what was, was interesting to see is that people didn't really know how to even do crowd work um, is what it seemed like. Uh, when I did see anyone do it, it was like truly... Be- like the most... Be- like asking where you're from and then not even... Not, being able to do anything, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So that's interesting that like the, in New York, the level of writing and open mics, I think is a lot more elevated because it has to be. Uh, but every open mic in Warsaw, since there's an actual audience, like you have an opportunity to, to work on crowd work. Um, yeah, yeah, but also here, the people do the same thing where it's like, where are you from? And that's they true. Say, and then it also goes no bad. answer, it goes bad. And also, I think that's a great thing to not, like I mean, it's great to practice crowd work, but just like it's great to practice improv, because that's all that crowd work yeah. is. And you can have, of course, some loaded jokes, but it's improv. It's mm-hmm. thinking on the spot, responding, and all that stuff. But I think it's really good to work on your jokes too. So that's a good thing that those New York comics are doing. Yeah, fundamentally, that's what open mics are for. Yeah, exactly. Is to work on jokes. Um, although when I was starting in Warsaw. Uh, I think I even told you this that I would I would pick days to just work on my crowd work. Sure. To just try that sure. out and like sort of if you have like a a graph of different skills, you know, this crowd work, uh riffing, material, stage presence, um, some other ones. <laughs> and you can sort of pick some of those individually sometimes to just really focus on and work on uh on wor- yeah, yeah. On working on, but I think also, crowd work, if you take out any of those other ones, it might be a worse show. But if you take out crowd work, it doesn't, it could be a mm-hmm. great show. You know, I mean, it doesn't, you don't yeah. need crowd work. Like uh, if you watch Mitch Hedberg, he has no, I mean, stage presence is like, he's unique. So I guess that's mm-hmm. a stage presence, but confidence, like he could, he could be looking down with his glasses on and so scared yeah. or seemingly scared, but he has incredible jokes and zero crowd work, let's say. Maybe not zero always, but like mm. you could see a yeah, Mitch yeah. Hedberg show where there's zero crowd if work. If the act is good, it's good and you don't need crowd work. Yeah. Uh, but uh, for, for the shows I do, it's 100% necessary. Especially if I'm doing a show completely alone and I'm doing 80 minutes and I need to spend that first 10 sort of uh, yeah. feeling things out. And, uh, and for, the like, for the shows I host, I need to do crowd work. Mm-hmm. Not need to, but the show is better. If the show I is talk a lot better. To, if talk to the audience because they need to understand that they're part of the show, and so to speak to them and like kind of mm-hmm. tell them, like, uh, or not give them ground rules, but make them understand that they're part of the show. I guess yeah, is yeah. all I'm saying. Yeah, maybe we cover how to gain confidence. Okay, sure. I think the simple answer is get better. Do stand up. Yeah. Well, do just do stand up as much as you possibly can, and you yeah. become. Uh, Desensitized, maybe, uh, which can go the other way, which we'll talk about. Right. Uh, you can become overconfident, uh, or once once the silence stops affecting you, I think your material starts to suffer a lot. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, if you don't care about laughs, I guess that's. But I mean, you can care about laughs, but you're, if you're satisfied with like three or four laughs in a five minute set, even if they're big laughs, 
Uh, I've seen this happen, mm-hmm. uh, and people think they had a great set when it was just, there was just so much dead air. But because they've become desensitized to the silence, uh, they don't mind it. Huh. Do you know what I mean? I I mean I I don't have that myself. I can't. I don't. Picture I don't it. have that myself. I'm saying I've seen it. I yeah. I haven't seen. I've I, seen it starting to happen to me at some shows. Oh yeah. I'll, I'll keep a check on it. Like I'll keep bits in. I think we talked about this before where that parts don't work just because I'm so used to people not laughing at that part that and I, I don't have time to like work on it and uh and I just sort of keep it uh-huh. out of laziness. Um, but it is possible to become so comfortable on stage that as long as people laugh in the beginning and the end and a few times in between, there are comedians who seem totally comfortable being up there for a full minute with no laughs, you know, and that's in New York, for instance, it's a no go. Uh, sure, but uh, you, 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 you don't you don't, you haven't seen this. I, not that I haven't seen it, I can't picture it right now. I'm sure I've seen it, but I don't know what's going on in the comedian's head if they are comfortable. That's the thing. I think I mm. I don't know. I've definitely seen I've seen people bomb where it's like five minutes. They're not, but I, I don't think I talked to someone afterwards recently or to a degree that I can remember where they were like. Ah, that was great. Whatever. I don't give a shit. Like I haven't really talked to someone with that attitude. I have. Yeah. Uh, don't want to give examples, but right. yeah, I've de- definitely, a person definitely seen that. Okay. Although that person, that's changed. I think he was just going through a period of of doing that, and um, and maybe he needed to feel like the set was good, or he was lying about how he thought the set went, or like fal- uh, yeah, false confidence for yeah. himself for time being. Although I'll say like uh, in an open mic. If it's all new material and I get four laughs and otherwise bomb, to me that is a success because the whole point is to get material from it. And I know that those four jokes work. So I'm not going to yeah, beat yeah. myself up about the other stuff not working anymore. Yeah, um, right. And maybe he was just being like that. But no, because then he would do the exact same shit <laughs> without, without having improved it and, and, and insist it was good. Um, yeah, I have. I, I have not. Uh, no, I haven't experienced that or seen that. But that I mean, that goes to a good point where if you are having confidence in your material and it's bombing, you tried it for the first time. And by bombing, I mean like people still like you on stage. You have mm. stage presence. Everything's you can bomb fine. Gracefully, but like, but people aren't just, aren't just. They just don't laugh at the jokes. Yeah, but you think that there's something funny in there. There is a confidence to that too, mm-hmm. where you have to work it out a different way and stuff. So there is also confidence in your material. Mm-hmm. I actually recently, this is now I'm just jumping all over the place, but recently uh, the, I thought the audience didn't like me because I gave some rules to the people in the front, kind of like telling them to shut up. And I was hosting and I was told them to shut up like in a different way, tried to make it funny, but I felt the audience saw the honesty in my voice where I was like, I fucking hate you guys. Like, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so I tried a joke and they laughed a little bit and then I abandoned the joke. And this was a t- tried and true joke, but I completely abandoned the, like the, not the punchline, but the second part of the joke or the third part of the joke. I was just like, okay, uh, abort and exit because we need to get the next comedian on stage or whatever. So you can get so comfortable with your bangers, your best jokes that you 
you rely on them. You're so sure of them that you don't even bother delivering them with enthusiasm. Yeah, you don't yeah, even yeah. bother yeah. selling them. And then you'll find that without selling them, they can still they can still crumble yeah. and not work. And also sometimes those jokes depend on your demeanor, on your type of personality. If I'm most of the time I'm going up like, oh, what's up, guys? Like smiley type person. If I'm a serious person, if I'm like uh I don't know. I don't ever do this, but uh, like a one-liner comedian. God, what's his name? The curly-haired bald guy. Fuck, I from pop Boston. Uh, Jesus Christ! It sucks that I don't remember his name I'm, right now. It's not Stuart Lee. That's no, no but that's the name that's popping into I'll, my head. I'll remember his name, but just super monotone and like no, no, like yeah, no personality or very low. Stephen Wright. Stephen Wright, low energy comedian. If I come like that and I use some of those jokes uh, that I think work every single time, mm-hmm. that might not be the right personality for that joke. Yeah. You know, so that sometimes does happen. And I did that recently where I was kind of like a pissed off comedian because I was act legitimately pissed off. And that one joke kind of needs me to be like bamboozled, like, whoa, what's mm-hmm. going on? I'm so, I'm dumb. And it wasn't the right yeah. person for the joke. And this isn't a confidence topic, but on um, losing the audience because you're calibrating them to be at a show, maybe they're chatting, maybe they're on their phones or something. It's definitely it's a it's a risk, and we saw that happen with Todd Berry a little bit. Not not like an extreme thing, but even he referenced it that uh, someone was filming him at the beginning of the show, and then he told oh, yeah. him, uh, uh, "Can you put the phone down?" And the guy thought he was kidding, and he was like, "No, seriously, yeah, yeah. please put the phone down." And it was for that table at least, and it was a small room, was clearly a real mood killer. And then uh, towards the end of his set, Todd Berry was like, well, I think I lost y'all when uh, I asked the guy to put his phone down. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> but he, I, to be honest, he, yeah. he got them back pretty quickly. He got, he he got had, them back. He got them back. He had, but it was, it was on his, even the fact that he referenced mind. it, it was on his mind. Yeah, yeah. But with that said, in that, I won't give away his, whatever he said, but he did, I mean, I could, I guess, where he was like, he, he did say he had like, a good line. He had a great line afterwards yeah. where the person was putting down their phone. Mm-hmm. He's like, it's not a gun. You yeah, can, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you like, have to do it slowly. It was very yeah. funny. And so like he, he got them back. But yes, it was, I guess, on his mind. Because the, the culture in Europe is like, take photos, film everything. We want that shit out there. And the culture in New York uh, is, this, we're working on this stuff. Do not film anything. We're going to take your phones. But, but I mean, uh, to a certain extent, it depends what show. I wouldn't want people to film and post from a Tuesday show because we are working mm, on shit, right? Or do I you, honestly don't mind. You don't mind? Um, Cause I, ne- I don't want it. I mean, if it was some big Instagram account uh, and I, they chose a bit that was like... Uh, rough like i can think of a joke i made last wednesday that i kind of wouldn't want to be out there about about zinger do you remember this one no no um you wait wait zinger was there zinger was there and i was hosting and he got off stage and i and made, made a, a comment about, about uh about the way he was performing that um i thought was a pretty good joke but uh i wouldn't want in I, the in the public eye. i see I something see. about wednesday's show i'll do like riskier stuff that uh uh, like I did a necrophilia joke yesterday. I would, I would never you do would that. Never do I, that. I, I just, it's, it's not, it's not my style. But I do get a kick out of uh, deviating so far from my style, <laughs> like that. Uh, you know that I, I that it's funny to me. I just realized um, also that's it's the only show where you are hosting. 
Yeah. Meaning that, like, I mean, I guess you would host uh, on Thursdays, but it wasn't as often. It was more often now recently since it was summertime. But Thursday at Gatsby's is a completely different show. But Wednesday at Clark seems a little smaller. I mean, it is a smaller stage, even though we're outside. Yeah. It's a smaller group. And yeah, there is something to hosting where you do have a different you as the royal you. A person has a different confidence, mm-hmm. a different like sense of, I mean, you can come in and just do one joke and leave next comedian. Then you always yeah. are coming back. So it's a different style of comedy in general. You have many, uh, you, you don't have to be there for a long time and you can leave anytime you want. And it's less about testing material, though you can still do that and more about doing meta commentary on the show because that's what you kind of are doing by default by introducing people. Yeah, right, Uh, right, right. And making jokes about other comedians uh, are sometimes the best jokes of the night. Like I think Terry and Martin both recently had really good hosting jokes. I told a long story about uh, Ambien, a sleeping drug, that uh, certain parts, you know, I was working it out, certain parts went all right. And then the ending just totally bombed because it was prop dependent and I forgot the prop and there were like really? six. Yeah. And I've done that once before and the prop does work. Not big on prop comedy, but whatever. Okay. Uh, and there were six people and I was like, well, I forgot the prop. Uh, I'm going to go. <laughs> Basically. Okay. And then uh, Terry came on and he was like, Jordan Thomas Gray, uh, fun fact, he was on Ambien while telling that story, right, right. which is a perfect host commentary maybe if i had killed it wouldn't have made any sense but sure, i did yeah, yeah. uh yeah. and uh yeah so those jokes are fun confidence getting confidence really is just about doing it constantly and working on your material and getting stage time um yeah that's basically that's the biggest thing is like just getting but i think you the more you are uh the more you know how to do your craft the more confident you are i actually uh, on that note like so I, I was making, I started playing drums when I was nine. And then I started making beats when I was like 15, 16. And I loved the beats I was making. And I would have this feeling like, holy shit, I love this beat. It's amazing. But I would feel like this, I'm never going to make anything better than this. This is the best mm. I can do. And I would feel like that. And then inevitably I would come up with something and it was much better. And I was like, okay, now I will never be able to make something better. Yeah. And I kept having that feeling. And then the more I, just years went by, the more I realized, you know what? I'll always have that ability or that creativity. And the truth is actually now I make much less music. And now uh, I would have to just practice a lot more in order to to get to a, the same level as I was. Yeah. So as long as you're you constantly are doing it, and you feel like you have a skill for it or a some sort of talent for it, then you're just going to get better and better. Just by the process of by doing it. By the process it. of yeah. doing it. It is like sports in that way. Yeah. That like if it's practice. Yeah, and exactly. I, we, we had a an open micer recently who had a pretty bad set at an open mic and he was like visibly upset about it. And uh, I was like, man... It's fine. You're gonna. This is practice. (laughs) You know, like it's okay uh, to not do well. Um, And then it's all the open mic circuit is just about gathering material and experience uh, to create a product that you're happy with to 
yeah. use in other situations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. That's why also that show at Hard Rock, that was uh, tried and true material. And they were saying, oh, they would do it once a month. And I would just enjoy that without payment in the sense that I would like to just, you know, you practice your open mics, that, that material, and then you have, let's say, 10, 15 minutes that you're like, okay, I feel confident in this. I feel like this stuff is good material. Let's actually put it to the test. And still not crazy stakes, but it's higher stakes than an open mic. For sure. Yeah. So there is some, I don't know why I brought that up, I guess. <laughs> well, I, I think comedians need stage time, like oxygen. And I'm, I feel weirdly glad that I wasn't doing comedy before COVID because having COVID happen feels like it would be such a, like ripping <laughs> away this, this, this thing that you absolutely need to get better. Uh, this has been said a lot before, but we can't practice like musicians. We can't, uh, do comedy really at home alone. Uh, you have to do comedy on stage with an audience. You are playing that instrument, the audience. And so having shows like Hard Rock Cafe that have a real audience, because, uh, sometimes open mics we have here, uh, are well attended and people want to have fun, but there are for sure open mics that are more just an endurance test for comedy. If you can get through five people who don't speak English and don't really want to be there, uh, not really reacting to anyone's stuff, then, but I don't, those to me aren't really useful shows, <laughs> you know, for, for working on material, really. Yeah. Maybe you can get one or two jokes confirmed out of it, but like, uh, I only do those shows because I'm obsessed with stand up and only want to do it. And, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it is good to have a real audience to practice in front of. And we're very lucky because most comedians, like in uh, scenes in the US, uh, don't have that. They have, they have the open mics that are just other comedians who don't want to be there. And um, that's its own kind of boot camp and its own good thing. Um, but those comedians don't nearly as often get the opportunity to perform in front of an actual audience and see if their jokes work in an actual, a real performance setting. Uh, these shows, like these showcases like Hard Rock provide for us. You did say though, and it's been said before that you can't practice comedy without the audience. I think there are aspects of comedy you absolutely can practice without the audience. You can and rehearse. Brand new jokes, No. It's a brand new idea. You have to have the audience to tell you if it's funny or not. And you have to practice it several times and do it in different ways. But a joke that you've already tested and it actually works, if there's some stuff in it, it's the same as like uh, your verbal skills. You can practice tongue twisters and then you'll, you get better at speaking. Like even right there, I go, you'll, you get, I sometimes do that. It's good to practice sometimes your speech and sometimes I'll be walking down the street and instead of listening to a podcast, I'll go through an old joke of mine and say it in my head. And I could be saying it at home in front of a mirror if I want to, but something will pop in my head about that joke and I'll be like, oh shit, that's a tag. So, I'll do that on the way to open mics. Yeah. Typically. I won't listen to music. I'll just go through my material and like, right. Yeah. So there is something to that. That's exactly practicing the stuff that you want to say. Yeah. You, know? you can, you can write. And um, that's just a rehearsing and writing for sure you can do alone. Um, there, but there but, is that confidence, sorry to interrupt, but there is that confidence of uh, being able to say what's on your mind. Because even yesterday I have a, a joke that I want to test out, but I was testing it out on stage. Uh, 
And like I said, sometimes I stumble over my words, which sometimes can be totally fine. And yesterday was fine. But um, but if I'm working out the idea, which I think is funny at home and I'm going through it, then there might be a better structure that I'm finding. For me specifically, mm-hmm. that's how I would work better just because of how I speak. Yeah. So then I'm going on stage with a more confident idea of what the joke is about. Because yesterday I went on stage about you know, how to fuck over old people, basically, uh, with a kind of an idea, but not really with the exact wording of it at all mm-hmm. and structure of the joke. And I feel like the audience, I even like heard a girl say, oh my God, that's so true. And then I literally said like, well, it's true, but is it funny? I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that there is something to practicing at home and you can get confidence from No, that. you should absolutely rehearse and uh, write at home. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying uh, you also absolutely need stage time. If yeah, you right. take any one of us and you just are like, okay, you have a year to write an hour, but you don't get to perform it out. It's going to be a fucking weird hour, man. Right. That's all I'm saying. We're not disagreeing. Yeah, yeah, I'm just yeah, right, saying right, right. these, I just take it as a given that you need to rehearse at home. You know, uh, with a brush or microphone or whatever, like get your material down. But at the end of the day, you need stage time really to improve, especially early on to gain confidence. You just have to get out there. Yeah, that is yeah. definitely true. I am thinking more for the person who's never done stand up and is thinking about it. Oh, yeah. Just have your material like, down. Because I've heard that many times before of like, yeah, you need an audience. Technically, yeah, that is absolutely true. That is, of course, the most true. But there are certain aspects of comedy which you could you do in your head. And I think to be very prepared, but also letting go of the stakes in the moment and pretend like it doesn't matter. I mean, because really it doesn't. None of this matters. <laughs> <laughs> Life uh, doesn't matter. Well, does it's, it? this is, this is a, a weird story to tell, but uh, I was doing a show in Bialystok and the, uh, the daughter of the um, owner... Uh, of the the venue was there, and she was like very very nervous talking to me, and she was telling like I'm just I'm so I'm so nervous like uh, talking to you, and I, I was I was just like this this doesn't matter, <laughs> you know just like 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 what's the worst that can happen like this at the end of the day like this everything is fine, mm. and then uh, uh and then I as I was leaving I was like remember nothing matters except school. <laughs> stay in school but I think it preparing as if something is the most important thing ever and then once you are about to do it being like this ain't nothing I think results for me often in the best performances because I'm prepped I'm comfortable I have everything down but yeah. I'm not like obsessing there aren't other things in my mind yeah, if, yeah. if I'm worrying about it if I'm stressed about it if I think it's very important then my at least part of my mind is occupied with that. And then I can't be in the moment and I can't riff and I can't, because I'm just, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. outside my... Uh, and that's a good system to have. And I think, I mean, depends who you are. It could be different for everyone. Uh, but that is a good way to trick your mind into performing, like prep, perf- like practice all you can and think it's super important and then go up on, mm-hmm. before you go up on stage, be like, ah, nothing matters. It's weirdly, it's like... Um, I was a waiter. Were you ever a waiter? Like yeah, a server? For seven years. Yeah. For for me, it was a, one of the hardest jobs for sure I've ever had. And I would beat myself up about every single mistake 
for some and I would have nightmares about like getting orders wrong or about being behind schedule. And then, but what I've noticed with people that uh, are the best at service and can tolerate service the longest are they're both good at it and they don't care. <laughs> you know, yeah. so if you can maintain this, uh, not letting it deeply penetrate your psyche and like fuck you up, but also do a good job, which is a very difficult balance to strike, then I think that's where the success is. I think that's also what you're saying because I, I was thinking about it for myself, and I, uh, in comedy, my system was a little or is a little different than yours in the sense that I'm super nervous before. If I'm caring, if I care, then I'm nervous. If I don't give a shit, I'm not nervous. But I realize what you're saying, actually, it's kind of, I do that for, for DJing sometimes, or I did it many times. I don't have to do it every time. And DJing's easier than comedy, but it's kind of like a system to r relax your nerves. Because I've done it with DJing where I'm like, what's the worst that can happen, Ariel? The worst that can happen is people don't dance or they're, they, the music's shut off and there's no party. They're, they're, like people go to war. So relax. Like, and this is when I'm nervous because I have to DJ at a very important mm -hmm. party in my mind. Yeah. And I have to be there for six hours, eight hours or whatever, alone making the whole party d dance. And this is, this is, I don't do this as much anymore because I'm more confident in what my skill set is, but I'll still get nervous once in a while. And that kind of way of thinking of like, what does it matter? It this is nothing. Like no one will give a shit about this in a year. No one will give a shit about this maybe in two weeks, a week, whatever. Like it's you can't die by DJing here in Warsaw. I mean, what's the electrical setup? Yeah, like, there's a <laughs> there are ways. There are of course uh, exceptions <laughs> to every rule, but uh, but most like ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the time, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not going to result in death. It'll just be like that party would not be good. Yeah. And this is a standard therapy thing of like, if you're really anxious about something, like, okay, imagine the worst case scenario and you realize that you can still live your life after that. Yeah, yeah. Where stand-up, T.G. Miller has this uh, story about having a seizure and he has to get a uh, part of his brain removed, basically. And he's talking to the doctor and he's like, will I be funny after this? The doctor was like, well, not being funny can't be worse than being dead. And... Uh, TJ Miller's like, have you ever been at a like a work meeting and you told a joke and it didn't work? Do you remember how you felt? And the doctor was like, yeah. <laughs> you know, so it is. It is kind of one of the worst. Like the worst case scenario, at least in the moment, is pretty bombing. Is pretty bad. It is one of the worst things. Yeah. Social without like being physically harmed that you can experience. Right. Uh, right. But uh, it's freeing after your first real bomb that you realize that you're still there yeah. and that you can you can come back around and also no one really cares I think in terms of we touched on this before but um that I'm driving this car a lot faster than other people and like touring and doing solo shows only like a year and a half two years into comedy the risk there is that you know if I start just bombing at shows if I start delivering bad shows if if I go to Edinburgh Fringe and just do a bad hour like it it there's a world in which it's kind of over for me. It's never really over in stand-up, and that's part of what I like about it, that uh, you can always get out there and sell tickets and do everything yourself and do ads, and like you can always get people to come to the show. But there is a reason that people don't tour so early, and it's because if you put a bad product out there, uh, you know, there's this phrase, you only get one lick. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Do you think about that for yourself? 
Um, I used to not. I think uh, my standards for what good stand-up is is always going up as I watch more stand-up and, and do more stand-up. Uh, and I do worry now, especially after going to New York, I realized that some of my bits were like pretty hacky. Like, and even uh, one of a bit that I had that I thought was original, um, somebody essentially called out that kind of bit on stage as being hacky, which us not being steeped in like the mainstream comedy scene, we just we're just blind yeah. to that stuff. So I I do worry about that. Um, I worry about if I go through a rough period, like I've been th- going through a little bit of a rough period and if the comedy starts to suffer and I just start bombing at shows and people don't come back. Mm-hmm. I, I do cities in Poland, a lot of them I've done three or four times already and people come back, you know, because they, they, they want to see the show again because it's been a good show. And if that stops, it really just takes one to yeah, to, right. to lose those people and they tell other people. In a, um, and also you're in a country where... I mean, a lot of people speak English, but this is in a country of all English speakers. The main language is Polish, and the population amount that you can draw from to buy tickets is much less than you would have in America. Yeah. Right. And even on, on this note, uh, I recorded my solo hour with the intention of putting it out on YouTube. And uh, I didn't do it at first because there was some problems with the video. Uh, like certain parts were kind of out of focus and I wasn't sure about technically. And then after going to New York, I was like, I don't think this is good enough to put out there as a special. Right, gotcha. And now I want to spend more time uh, writing, sharpening things. And I still don't have that much stuff that I'm like, that I can point to as like, yes, I think this is objectively very good. I think I mostly have stuff that either I like and kind of works or works really well reliably in a room that I don't feel like is very good. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Some of that stuff Um, for me where it's like the best, this works every single time and people love it is about Polish stuff. mm -hmm. Because there's Polish people in the audience who speak English and you're making fun of their country and it kills for them. And for me, I, I love the jokes. I think they're good and I came up with something but in the bigger sense like only polish people would really get it and that's that's it it's just for polish people yeah so it's not doesn't have a wider range and do i need to put this in a special or something like that i don't have that with those jokes and i've been taking social media more seriously lately and releasing more reels you know and i I went from two thousand followers on instagram to 15.5 thousand at this point it's been like nine months if I put a reel out that I think is funny, but is not about Poland or like World War II, it just doesn't really go anywhere. If yeah. I put out anything passably funny about Poland, it tends it it has a one in three chance of blowing up. And so I'm just I'm incentivized both to write more Polish jokes and perform those so that I can capture them in reels and then post them so I can grow my following. But I'm finding myself slowly being pigeonholed as the guy who does uh, Polish jokes on Instagram. And then when people come to shows, I've talked about this before as well, that if I do a chunk about my friend dying of a heroin overdose, and I think the material is not really ready, but regardless of that, people are did not come for that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. People came for the Bobcha jokes. And uh, right. invariably, like 
twenty to thirty percent are like like fuck yeah, we weren't expecting such material like that. That was maybe a little more personal or meaningful uh, to them. But when I had my hour when I was touring and it was everything was kind of always working, I had people telling me um, I, I thought I was expecting something deeper. You know, yeah, right. I wanted something more. I wanted less observational stuff, more personal stuff. So it's. I'm still finding my audience. I'm still finding my own voice. I'm still finding what material I want to do. And that's also part of why I've been talking for a while, but <laughs> that's also Sorry. why people wait six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years to do a solo show because I really don't feel like I've found my voice yet. Mm-hmm. I've found things that work on social media and on stage and I've found like formulas and I've found things I like to do, but I have not yet synthesized that as like, okay, this is what I'm about. This is what I do. Whereas Todd Berry, every joke he does, even at an open mic is like, that is a Todd Berry joke. Yeah, that's Todd Berry on stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's where you're trying to get to and it's very hard. Yeah, and I think that's the thing about you doing your solo shows and, you know, capitalizing on stand-up comedy as a business for yourself, as something you live off of, then you have to know if you are okay with being pigeonholed or not. Mm -hmm. You have to know, and I think that is also what takes time because at the beginning, when you start any art and you're like, I want to be as artistic as possible, you might later on in life realize, yes, I do want to be as close to what matters to me because I I can't do this art, whatever it is, music or whatever, I can't sell out in a way, in the sense of like, do something just for money. Mm-hmm. Whereas some people have absolutely no problem with that. And there's nothing wrong with either one. Yeah, It's just like, like I can do a commercial for, for this, for oil, and I can do an anti-oil commercial. It doesn't matter to me, I just want to make some money off of a commercial. Mm-hmm. But some people are like, no, I'm not going to do a commercial for oil. I'm against that, so I'm, I can't do it. And it's up to you, it's your heart. So you got to know in your heart, you know what? I don't mind doing Polish jokes for a Polish audience because there's an audience for it and actually I'm making great money off of it or whatever mm. it is. Like you that could be okay. Like uh what's Larry the cable guy? Like maybe he was going I don't know his whole story, but he was it's not who he is, it's a character. Yeah. But if he's working for it's actually a civil rights activist. <laughs> but if he's working for like 15 years and not making much money, and then he finds this character that everyone yeah. loves and he's making like millions of dollars. He might be like, yeah, I'm totally whatever. Yeah. I need to I need to make money for my family. Like and or or he might be like, this actually I love this character the most. Mm-hmm. So fuck it. I am going to do this character. It's my favorite one or whatever. I don't I don't know his story in that sense, but it all depends. If if he inside is making millions of dollars but fucking hates that character, I think that's a little bit of a hell. I've heard stand-ups, I forget which ones, uh famous ones talk about they'll do a special for the audience and then a special for them. Okay. And they'll kind of switch off. You know, they'll do one that they know is going to be like commercially viable and then they'll do one that's more about like the stuff that they like to do and they'll kind of switch off. Yeah. Um, and to me, I see it as more the uh, the Polish stuff, the stuff that I don't necessarily think is that good or funny but works. Uh, that stuff is sort of supporting the art, whatever, of doing the stuff that, that I like, that I think is interesting. Um, one weird thing is that I was doing this, the dead dad stuff. You've probably seen, did you see any of that? I mean, I've I've heard your, some dead dad stuff. Yeah. Um, and that was at some solo shows was just really bumming people out 
and like not working. And then I would do it in New York and it would work really well because it's exactly what like the people wanted. And it, and I had huge whiplash from adjusting over like five days, 17 open mics in New York, adjusting to getting down their sense of humor and what works there and then coming back and having the stuff that's working in New York not work in Warsaw. And I think that was also that it broke me or bent me a bit. I think I talked to you about this, that it's just like, I'm just... But, but don't you find... <laughs> sorry, go on, go on. No, 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 I'm uh, done. Don't you find, though... You, didn't you tell me, though, uh, in New York, you mostly performed in front of comedians? Uh most of the open mics in New York were in front of comedians. only comedians. I did. I did one. I was invited to do one show that had like I think a Comedy Central person on it. That was like at a bar. It was free, but like a real audience. Yeah. And uh, I was able to polish uh, a five minute set, five to seven minutes set over like uh, once I found out that I got the show. It was in two days, and I did I think six open mics, just drilling, refining, working on that set, and that set did great. I think, uh-huh. at, at the actual show, which was pretty validating. But the mics are all just other comedians that yes. often pay to go up. There's almost no audience, maybe a couple people. I did one open mic where they wouldn't let my comic friend's boyfriend in. They were like, no, no audience. Only comedians are allowed, which I thought was insane. That's, that's crazy, yeah. But it, yeah, it's... But so that that is a specific type of audience member, you know? Uh, and that's why it's like when you're talking about your dead dad stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've seen I've seen some stuff and it was I liked it, but like, if you're basing you should or shouldn't do that material off of comedians, comedians mm-hmm. can be sometimes very jaded about jokes, yeah, yeah. want to look for something that's crazy or love being yelled at. Like I made fun of all the comedians for even doing an open mic because they were only doing it for each other, and I was genuinely pissed off at them or genuinely like disappointed in them, mm-hmm. like a disappointed dad, and <laughs> they've ate it up. Mm-hmm. But would an audience member like no, that? No, 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 not at all. It, yeah. it was just like I made the comedians laugh. So and yeah, like everything, it's a balancing act. Because I heard comedians being like, uh, even on stage, be like, "Well, in front of a real audience, this would work." Yeah, which right. can also be a cop out. Yeah, right. Uh, so, so yeah, yeah. So, who knows? Who knows? But uh, we went from confidence to shows. But I, I liked the. Topicas. Nice arc, yeah. yeah. Nice arc. If you have a suggestion for what we should talk about, reach out to <laughs> the Comedy Hole or me at Jordan Thomas Gray or Ariel Bielski at Ariel Bielski. Ariel DJs a lot in Warsaw. If you're it's in true. Warsaw, come yeah. to one of those shows every weekend. Every weekend, and uh, I'll be touring uh, a ton of Poland cities in September through October. I'll be in Budapest, London. Uh, Aarhus, Copenhagen, some other random Dublin. That's uh, right, you're going back to Copenhagen. Back to Copenhagen. Worst audience ever, but they bought tickets, so I'm going back. Okay. Uh, and I will come, hopefully, with better material. Yeah. Because uh, it's not all them. It's not all them. It's mostly me. It's mostly the Canadian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, anything to add? Uh, I just think, yeah, I mean, we are talking about confidence and and talking about comedy. We are brand new comedians in a sense compared to... Relatively speaking? Relatively speaking. And uh, so if you are starting out comedy and stuff, it's just it's just a journey, man. And you got to enjoy the journey as it goes because someday we'll be looking back and we'll have... We'll be selling out shows and really enjoying theaters, but we're not hanging out as much. We are like, man, remember those times when we were in front of 
four people and two of them were the worst hecklers ever. Mm. Those times are also fantastic in your life. And the the end result will be great to stare back at our lives and be like, wow. But that's what we'll be doing is staring back. Yeah. Because it was a fun journey. So hang in there if you're an open micer, unless you're not funny. Yeah, Even then, quit. you might get funny. Who knows? <laughs> who knows? You know, who knows? Who fucking knows If you anything? work at it, yeah. No one knows anything. <laughs> We're all uh, idiots. Confidence is meaningless. Nothing yep. matters. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see you next time on the Comedy Hole. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>